and welcome to episode 70 of the Mutant Blitz podcast. I'm your host, Josh Hennig. On this edition of the podcast, I am going to not do a pure review of Falcon Winter Soldier, but I'm going to do a bit of an explanation because there's been some news that has come out in recent weeks since the final episode of the show dropped. So let's open up a cold one and get started on episode 70 of the Mutant Blitz podcast. So in Falcon and Winter Soldier was about showing the transition from the moment that Steve Rogers, old Steve Rogers, handed the shield to Sam Wilson to what we're going to expect to see in phases four and five in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The story functions as a bridge and as a origin story. You learn more about Falcon, Sam Wilson's origin story and his evolution as a character. And like most Marvel characters, he goes through this series of, am I deserving? Should I have the shield? Should I be Captain America? Am I worthy to be a hero? He has self-doubt and all the things that make a good Marvel hero. And they ground the character to let you know that he has real-world problems. Has to help his sister with the boat, gets denied a bank loan, doesn't make money for being a superhero, etc. You also see the other side of that coin, which is Bucky Barnes. He is now living in the world without Steve Rogers. Again, basically, you have a character that is dealing with some form of PTSD. He is suffering from the memories that he, as the Winter Soldier, did to people. And he believes he's trying to reconcile those things. And he has a coming-of-age story as well. He says it to Sam himself, am I worthy? You know, if Steve believed in you, that that means he was right about you, then he's right about me. You know, he literally puts himself out there and says, I don't believe in myself. And he has to go through his own journey of, am I a worthy hero? And all of those things are underlying concepts that allow you to latch onto these characters and also allow you to maybe not like certain other characters. For example, John Walker, for example, Baron Zemo, because those characters don't go through the same level of discovery. Some underlying concepts that are dealt with in this show that I think are telling of where the MCU is going to go is, number one, uh, Marvel didn't shy away from some of the comic book history involving Isaiah Bradley. The comic book series of called Truth, Red, White, and Black was the introduction of Isaiah Bradley in the early 2000s to Marvel Comics to kind of give another side of the super soldier storyline because in the comics... And this is not something they're going to do explicitly in the MCU. But in the comics, the super soldier program was a part of a larger operation that happened over decades where the governments of the world were using scientists to develop their own superheroes, supervillains, super soldiers, mercenaries in order to deal with what would be known as the mutant threat. Now, we don't have mutants in the MCU, and that's why that's not going to be part of this story. But the importance of Isaiah Bradley is showing that Marvel is not afraid of taking racial issues head on. And they don't do it in a condescending way. They don't do it in a preachy way. They're not patronizing anybody. They're just saying, look, there is a history that goes with the Captain America super soldier that was not talked about before. And Sam Wilson has to deal with that aspect as well, himself being a black man. So 
There's so many variables that went into this story, and I love the way that they let it play out. I love the way that they were willing to say, all right, we're not afraid of these concepts, we're not afraid to deal with these things, but we're going to do it the Marvel way, which is, the Marvel way is, there's right and there's wrong. There's good guys and there's bad guys. And even though Isaiah Bradley was an angry old man, Sam Wilson never let Isaiah's own experiences and his own beliefs about the world poison Sam's ability to have hope, Sam's ability to do what's right. And that's really the bigger theme of reason why Sam Wilson was picked by Steve Rogers to be Captain America. Remember, Dr. Erskine in the first Captain America movie said he was picked because he is a good man, because the serum amplifies what is already there. A good person becomes a great person. A bad person becomes super evil like the Red Skull. And you saw that with John Walker where a guy who is angry and still dealing with issues I don't think he's ever actually worked through properly, it amplifies those emotions. It amplifies that rage and that passion and that confusion. And part of the reason why Sam Wilson was picked was because, as he told Baron Zemo, I have no interest in the serum. I'm interested in doing the right thing. I'm not interested in being a super soldier. And that's really where I think that we have to understand the value of Sam Wilson. Yeah, it's cool for some people that Sam Wilson got to be Captain America, but it's the moral of the story. Heroes are moral compasses. Heroes are meant to inspire people. Heroes are meant to be something you look up to. Isaiah Bradley said himself at the end that Sam Wilson was special. And that's the concept of what we're dealing with here. When Sam Wilson has an amazing speech in the final episode where he's telling everybody, you know, we got to do better. The senator has to do better. Everyone on the council has to do better. This girl was literally trying to kill you because she thought her cause was right. And it doesn't matter if her cause was right or wrong. It's the moral imperative that a lot of people struggle with in the, in the real world. And that is we have to separate the extremist terrorist actions from any supposed positive message. The message never outweighs the actions. So it, it's, a, it's a great show. It did an incredible job at fleshing out a lot of moral questions, a lot of things that people grapple with in the real world, and it seemed to be very timely appropriate. Now, how does this impact the future of the MCU? Well, first of all, it's already been confirmed there is going to be a Captain America 4 movie. You saw in the show that Torres, the guy who was working with, now has the Falcon wings. Well, in the comics, Torres becomes the new Falcon. And now since Sam Wilson is the new Captain America, I would expect to see them work together. I would also expect in that movie to be another appearance by Bucky Barnes. Now, that movie is for like phase five or potentially even phase six. The sooner you see Sam Wilson, I think is going to be in two places. Number one, I think you're going to see Sam Wilson appear again in the Wakanda Forever movie. One, because he has vibranium in his suit now. His suit is complete vibranium. So he is basically in indestructible armor now. And that is thanks to Wakanda. And it's one of those deals where it's like, hey, you, you kind of owe us. You kind of owe us a little help with our situation since there's no black, you know, no T'Challa Black Panther anymore. So I would expect to see Sam Wilson in that movie. I would also expect to see 
Sam Wilson make an appearance in maybe a show or two on Disney Plus because he's already been on Disney Plus. Expect to see Sam Wilson appear in the Armor Wars show, which the date has not been announced yet. But we saw Rhodey appear in Captain uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier before he became Captain America. It would only be right for Sam to kind of pay back the favor and maybe help Rhodey out and whatever's going on in Armor Wars. So expect to see more Sam Wilson as we go forward. Another impact of the show that we need to take away and discuss Sharon Carter, I don't think is Sharon Carter. I think she is the first evil scrawl that you have now seen in the MCU. I think it's very, a little too convenient, a little too abrasive, her character. It's a little too obvious that she is not the same person she was in the previous two movies. I think it's likely at some time between the end of Captain America Civil War and her next appearance now in Falcon and Winter Soldier, that a scrawl has taken her place in the world because she seems to way too interested in being a manipulator and being a user and advancing her own agendas way more than the normal Sharon Carter would be. And I think that's going to be a direct lead-in to the Secret Invasion television show, which is going to star Nick Fury, probably going to have Monica Rambeau as well, and of course the other scrolls like Talos. So keep an eye on that moving forward. Sharon Carter may very well be an evil scroll. I know a lot of people are talking about the appearance of Julia Louise Dreyfus as Valentina Allegra de Fontaine. If we're going to be 100% comic book accurate, which I don't think we're going to be, she is a triple agent who works in the U.S. government, pretends to be a double agent for Hydra, but she's actually working for a separate organization named Leviathan. Now, the reason why this is important is because Leviathan in the comics is the entity that is behind a lot of the Russian element of villains and heroes. So Red Guardian, the Black Widow program, what you're going to see in the Black Widow movie in the comics is connected to Leviathan. So that's one avenue they may go down. Another avenue may they go down, they kept saying her nickname is Val. That is the nickname of Valerie Cooper in the comics. Valerie Cooper was a U.S. government agent that worked with the commission that supervised superhuman activities, as they called it in the comics. Basically an organization that monitors and keeps track of superpowered people in the world. And her turning John Walker into U.S. agent, which she also does in the comics, Valerie Cooper, may be a lead-on to what we're going to see in the future when it comes to the MCU. So, for example, you didn't bring John Walker in here for a one-off. So maybe she makes an appearance in Secret Invasion and she helps Fury with superheroes or maybe not 100% heroes like John Walker who can help deal with this problem. There's also a theory that she could be hiring John Walker to work with a future group known as like a, a secret or dark ops group that is going to function like an Avengers team or team up with General Ross and the Thunderbolts, as they call it in the comics, because she's very approving of the methods and tactics of Baron Zemo. And in the comics, Baron Zemo is the leader of the Thunderbolts, a group of villains who pretend to be heroes, but they're kind of more like anti-heroes with ulterior motives and 
they basically get hired to do jobs and they're not really out there for the right reasons. So she could be either one of those concepts. I think the most likely place outside of Secret Invasion that you could see her making appearance, at least in the near future, in my opinion, uh, she may make an appearance in the Black Widow movie. Now, of course, if she is, that might be a little hard to keep secret, but you know, Marvel's good at keeping secrets. She could also make an appearance, the Spider-Man No Way Home movie that's coming out at the end of this year uh, is some sort of cameo, because you know Marvel likes to put those little teases at the end of these movies, so keep an eye on that. Also keep an eye on the fact that you know that she's not bringing in John Walker for just any old reason, right? Well, we know Marvel is also planning on two movies that have no actual dates to start production or even distribution yet, and that's the Fantastic Four and Blade. I wouldn't be surprised if she has some like ongoing role, not as like a villain, but as someone who is tying things together similar to what Nick Fury used to do, and that would lead to what Marvel is ultimately planning because you saw the grandson of Isaiah Bradley You've already going to be introduced to the new Hawkeye in the Hawkeye TV show. You're being introduced to more and more of these characters who are actually part of the Young Avengers. So you may have a situation where she has to go head-to-head with the Young Avengers. There's a couple of different ways that she can go, but I'm really looking forward to exactly what they're doing with her character. So keep an eye on that. Another thing you have to keep an eye on moving forward in the MCU is this show established that there are a lot of people who are displaced in the world, which is going to open up more and more opportunities for villains to kind of crop up and be involved. And you heard the, the saying by the group of the Flag Smashers, which I thought they did a great job with uh, Carly uh, Morgenthal and the, that group. You really made them sympathetic villains, but over time as the show progressed, you became more and more disenfranchised with them. At the beginning of the show, you were like, I kind of feel bad for them. You know, they're going vaccines or trying to help people. And as the show progressed, you were like, nah, these are bad people. These are bad guys. I mean, they're basically terrorists. They, they, see, they, they, think that the, uh, they think that everything is worth it if their intentions are good. Well, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, as the old saying goes. But the one concept they brought in was one world, one people. And keep an eye on that because Sam Wilson doesn't agree with the methods, but understood their plight, but didn't like how they went about trying to express themselves. And this is a very, very deep Marvel concept because if you go back to the 60s and 70s, there were concepts that were interwoven in the comics that were very, you know, classic democracy, American values versus communist, socialist concepts. There was a lot of, old world, new world combatism. There was a lot of, you know, morality plays. And Marvel was never afraid to take a stand on many issues. You know, Sam, Stan Lee made that famous comic where Spider-Man has to explain to people why they shouldn't do drugs. They had the comics where you had heroes like Black Panther and Sam Wilson introduced, you know, the first African-American superheroes on multiple different levels. You had... Marvel Comics introduced Shang-Chi, which was the first Asian superhero in the comics. So Marvel isn't afraid to deal with the world because Stan Lee said he wanted his comics to reflect the real world. Don't be surprised if Marvel continues 
with these morality play concepts. And I'm specifically looking at a, a couple of different shows where this is going to come in to uh, come in the conversation. Obviously, one of them is going to be the secret invasion because they're going to play around with, well, are, are the evil Skrulls really hurting anybody? Should we really fight against them? Who can we really trust? Who we can't we trust? Another show, She-Hulk is coming. She is a lawyer who also turns into a Hulk. So you're going to be dealing with concepts of female superheroes, intelligent women, people basically being sexist and stuff like that. That's going to be approached in that show. Also, we know that the Thor Love and Thunder movie is going to have the villain God Butcher that's played by Christian Bale. Well, what is the purpose of God Butcher? God Butcher is a, is a guy who believes that there's all these false gods in the universe, you know, Odin, Thor, Zeus, the panther god Bast, all these beings that are in the universe that are actual people, and he thinks that they're all false gods and they all should die. So there's this this fine line between, okay, it's fine that you want to expose these people for manipulating people, but is that really the right way to go about just killing people? You know, is, is killing these lowercase g gods really the solution? So there's that concept that's going to be dealt with as well, is, you know, how do you differentiate between exposing people and revealing their true colors and just saying, well, I'm going to eliminate you from the picture? Because, you know, in the comics, there's a clear difference between heroes who don't just, you know, unceremoniously kill people and villains who just murder people either for fun or because they think it's the right thing to do. And that's also where the the Punisher kind of lives in that gray area as well because he believes that bad people, certain bad people are always going to be bad people and that the system is going to let them get out of jail one day. So the, you know, the Punisher murders rapists. He murders child molesters. He murders people who have killed multiple people. He murders people who get off for crimes they should go to jail for. So there's always this kind of morality argument about when is it okay or not okay to take a life, right? You know, obviously most people will agree, oh yeah, self-defense, right? But what if you have a sniper rifle, the person doesn't know you're coming? You know, how do you justify that? You know, where is the morality in that? So be prepared for more of these messages and these conversations to come up in these movies because this is what Marvel does. Marvel tries to exist in the real world and whether we like it or not, I thought that they did a great job at dealing with the issue of, as some people perceive it, the black question in America. And Sam Wilson did a great job at saying, listen, people are going to look at me because I'm black. Like he said to the kid, am I, how am I black? Are you black kid? You know, it's the concept that we have to separate someone's skin color from who they are. We don't ignore their skin color. We don't act like it's not there. We acknowledge them. We acknowledge their history. They acknowledge who they are so on and so forth, but it, the skin color doesn't make the man. The person, as Sam Wilson said in the show, is what makes the symbols mean something. It's the people who carry them. It's the people who are behind them, like Steve Rogers. And I think that's what we're having to work with here on these shows and these movies. And that is, as we're going to see in Black Panther, Wakanda forever, no more T'Challa. What does that mean for Wakanda? What does that mean? for the mantle of the Black Panther. 
what does that mean for Shuri's future and Nakoye's future and having to live in a world where the person who made the symbol valuable is no longer there. So these are all concepts we're going to have to work through and deal with with Marvel Comics moving forward, with their shows, with their movies. And I'm looking forward to see how they play with these concepts because I don't know if we're always going to like or agree or be comfortable with them, but I think it's always going to generate good, healthy conversations, something that I think the most of the world is unfamiliar with because social media is just a cesspool of garbage and toxicity. Josh Ennick here. This is the Mutant Blitz Podcast. I appreciate you listening to the show. If you enjoy the show, hit the like button. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe. If you're listening on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, we review the shows and the movies have to do with DC Comics and Marvel Comics that are on the big screen and the small screen or on your digital streaming device. On the next episode, we are going to explain who the Eternals are and why you should not get ahead of yourself when it comes to the movie that's coming out this November. I'm Josh Hennig. I'll catch you next time.